Please be seated. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for being our God who loves us beyond all expectations, who loves us because we are God's creations, but also loves us in spite of what we do with God's creation. We thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your everlasting love. And we pray that it grows in us day by day. So may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people, now we pray. Amen. Good morning. Thank you for being here on a special Sunday for the United Methodist Church, Native American Ministry Sunday. From the founding of Methodism, we've been reaching out to the original Americans in this land with the love of Christ. And almost 200 years ago, when the Cherokee Nation was forced to leave their land in the eastern United States, it was Methodists who marched in solidarity with them on a brutal journey that became known as the Trail of Tears. Today, the original people who live in this land live mostly in amazingly deep poverty. And I've seen this with my own eyes, out west and even here in this state. I can't unsee it. The compassion that we have as Christians helps so many in need. Compassion. I'm very grateful for our faith here as Christians today that promises us new life in Jesus, new life that restores the health of our hearts, hearts that must beat with compassion if the saving grace of Jesus is to change who we are and how we are. A cold heart is not a Christian heart, amen? It's the basic nature of who God has intended us to be as human beings, right? We were formed by God in love. Even though God knew that we would be far from perfect creations, God's compassion made us, and through faith in Jesus Christ, God's compassion can save us. Having hearts filled with compassion, like the heart of Jesus, can save us. But many people today don't care about compassion. There's been a survey of American high school and college students taken since the 1960s. And this survey asks question, questions that reveal attitudes in these students about faith, including their ability to feel empathy or compassion. And between the years of 2000 and 2009, the survey scores for compassion and empathy in these high school and college students dropped 40% when compared to previous generations. I'm going to say that again. Compassion in young people dropped 40% in nine years. Think about that. It seems that the young adults of our nation are losing the compassion that's the core of our Christian faith, or perhaps sometimes confusing compassion with enabling. They're disconnected from us 
from one another and from God's compassionate future for them. Forged in love on a cross in Jesus. Young Americans aren't the only ones, of course, in God's world who are losing sight of compassion. I have a, a dear friend that I've shown you about, Niwai. He's a Christian priest in Ethiopia, and he's been sending me messages of his deep heart. He has deep, deep heartbreak this week as his nation is dissolving into bitter tribal wars. And there are now in his nation more than six million people on the edge of starvation. Six million. Hate and empathy is killing compassion today, again and again. And it's one thing to lose compassion when you're in the middle of wars and starvation and droughts, and it's another thing to lose compassion in a land of relative plenty. As we prepare to welcome a new refugee family to our Unity House, we will have a constant reminder of how much compassion matters in God's world. We'll be helping people who are very different from us, coming from places of unthinkable violence and loss. The world will be right at our doorstep, literally. And when we're not hosting refugees at families at Unity House, we've been offering temporary housing for homeless young adults there, young people who are confused, young people whose lives have felt little, if any, compassion from a world that's forgotten the love of Jesus. I hope and pray that we want to feel we can offer compassionate love to others like Jesus does. Because we all need this new life of compassion, peace, and hope that comes from Jesus. And yet, compassion is a challenging thing. It asks us to accept being vulnerable when we least want to be vulnerable. The world shouts at us to pass by those people needing our compassion. And then we wonder why we don't find compassion for ourselves. And we wind up blaming the world. What's wrong with that picture? Everything. Last week, in my New Life in Jesus sermon, the first of the series, I talked about how if we want to claim new life in Jesus, we must proclaim it in our own lives, in our own homes, and in God's world. And this week, we have to think about how to proclaim what the world does not expect. You see, new life in Jesus goes against all expectations, especially when we've given up on God's compassion. There was a man in the time of Jesus, who we heard about, who had forgotten what the compassion of God was like, and his name was Saul. And Saul was a Pharisee, someone who studied and enforced Jewish law. And not all Pharisees were bad or evil, but many of them were afraid of what this person Jesus was doing. And they resented the teachings of Jesus against their authority. And they had resented especially that Jesus was called by his followers the Messiah, the Son of God. To them that was blasphemy, insulting the name of God. And so when the followers of Jesus started to proclaim to the world that Jesus was risen from the dead, the risen Messiah, 
the risen Son of God, many Pharisees were very upset. And they didn't look at the love and the compassion and the, the healing that Jesus brought to the world. They only saw how Jesus had blown right past every expectation of who and how God was to them. To these Pharisees, proclaiming Jesus had to be stopped at all costs, even the cost of people's lives. And so one day, Saul took off on his trip to the city of Damascus, where the followers of Jesus were proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues of that city. And Saul was ready to arrest these Christians. He was going to take them back to Jerusalem, where they would be convicted and probably stoned to death, as other early Christians had been stoned to death. Hate and fear were ruling Saul's heart. He wanted the compassionate Jesus dead and gone and soon. And then, just as the history of the world changed when Jesus rose from the dead, history changed in a whole new way. Saul was overwhelmed by a bright light coming from heaven. And from that bright light came a voice, the voice of Jesus that said, Saul... Saul, why are you harassing me? I can't think of something more unexpected to happen to a person who had lost all compassion on the road to trying to kill the compassion of God's love in Jesus. And in spite of of what Saul was doing, Jesus was compassionate with Saul. Saul was ready to send Christians to their death. And yet Jesus knew that underneath it all, Saul was a man who loved God. Underneath it all, even though Saul had lost his compassion, even Saul could find a new way of life in Jesus. Jesus wasn't going to destroy Saul, no. Jesus wanted to restore Saul to serving a loving God in Jesus. Jesus wasn't going to destroy Saul for his sins. No. Saul's sins spoke for themselves in the presence of Jesus, the living God. It was all there. And Saul's sinfulness was there for the world to see also as he condemned the followers of Jesus. Jesus had Saul dead to rights as God always has us dead to right in our sins. But what was important to Jesus was that Saul knew that Jesus was putting his sins aside. Because Jesus had important work for Saul to do for the sake of God's love in the world in Jesus. Against all expectations, Saul was forgiven in Jesus and sent out to the world in Jesus as an apostle of Jesus who became known as Paul. We may pray sometimes and wonder, why don't I feel God's forgiveness? Why don't I feel that new life in Jesus? Why doesn't Jesus hit me in the head with a bright light like Saul felt and and make it so clear to me that I'm forgiven? Well, the truth is that God does that for us in Jesus every single day. Every day, the light of God is coming up there with us and for us, like the sun is in the sky, whether there are clouds out there or not. 
against all expectations, God gives us a new chance every day to walk into the light of Jesus. No matter how many times we've stumbled, no matter how many times we've fallen short, no matter how many times and how many ways we've let God down, to claim new life in Jesus, we have to be ready for that unexpected forgiveness of Jesus. Forgiveness that calls us to do what God wants us to do in Jesus. To love the way that Jesus loves. We have to let go of every expectation of being able to make that forgiveness happen because we can't ever. But we can do the things that let God guide us day by day and accept the compassion offered to us by God through Jesus in our hearts as we try to proclaim God's compassion to Jesus, to God's world. God forgives us because God has compassionate things that we're supposed to be doing in Jesus. We're the ones who Jesus turns to asking us to offer the compassion of Christ to God's world as forgiven children of God in Jesus. To feel God's compassion for us and in us, we have to be ready to do that. We have to be ready to bring God's compassion to the world the way that Jesus wants it. Not for our sake, not expecting any favors or recognition, but for the sake of what God's already done for us and for the sake of what God wants done in the world for everyone. Go against every expectation. Let go of your fears of where accepting Jesus might take you. And then, like Saul, walk into God's light and be changed forever. Amen. Our hymn of response is, Lord, you have come to the lakeshore. Please be seated. I think my slides might be in a slightly different order that's in the bulletin. So we'll go with the pastoral prayers now. I have a relatively short prayer list in the book. Thinking of people in the world that need praying for... We certainly lift up our original American friends in these United States. And we lift up especially today also the city of Meriden and its people. We were working on the kiosk. The people from all over Meriden were in every neighborhood of this city yesterday, cleaning things up and trying to make things better. That is going against the expectations of what we do on a day-to-day basis. And we're grateful that people took some time out of their morning to do that yesterday. We pray for our brothers and sisters in America's military, those who have been putting their hearts and their lives on the line for our peace and freedom. And from our book today, we pray for Bruce Willett, Jeannie's brother, as he's recovering from his surgery. And we pray for his healing and wholeness at this time. We continue to pray for people in our community who have offered us their prayers in our prayer jar. 
I'm going to get a green one and a white one. God bless everyone who's going through tough times in their life right now, always. Remember, God has you. Amen. That person preached my sermon in three words. God has you. This is from Evan. Please have people stop being mean to me. Love, Evan. That's kind of cool. He's saying love while people are being mean to him. Unexpected. That's beautiful. Let's pray together. Hmm, I did that backwards. Loving God, we're grateful that we're just so big and so powerful and that your love is so amazing and so overwhelming. We're grateful for it, your love, when it comes to us like a flash of light, like Saul experienced. And we're grateful for your love in the simplest of things in our life that help us to go against our own expectations and to see your beauty and your love and your perfection, even in the most imperfect of things. And Lord, for those who are struggling through illness, for those who grieve, for those who are recovering from surgery, for those who have not been spoken about today in our prayers, we lift up special blessings upon them and ask for special grace for them For the people who we don't speak about are often the ones who need grace the most. And Lord, into your hands we put, like little birds into a nest, our own hearts. That you may comfort us and strengthen us in our time of need. And help us to have faith in you. Faith in your forgiveness. And faith in your everlasting love that's always ready to turn us in the way that you've prepared for us. Help us to do these things, we pray, in the blessed and almighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now it's Native American Ministry Sunday. I won't take uh, a lot of your time here. John Wesley, before he began what we know today as the Methodist movement, his first big assignment was to become uh, a pastor like this in a faraway place from England called Georgia. It was a very rough-and-tumble colony at that point. And his mission was to bring the gospel to Native Americans. And he struggled with that. But that was one of the experiences that he reflected on, and his reflections brought us the Methodist movement. And as you heard in my, my sermon today, Um, helping Native Americans is a part of who we are because we help every person in the world, especially those who have been walked right over by the world. I'd like to share with you this brief video, if I can get it to queue up here. This video is a little bit fussy. Let's see if it does something. Fingers crossed. 
I don't see it doing anything. Yeah. Is it doing something? Oh, how about that? All right. When the United Methodist Church educates and trains a generation of young members, it is creating a generation of leaders. Shiloh O'Neill is one of those future leaders who is studying at Duke Divinity School in Durham, North Carolina. She is a recipient of a scholarship through the Native American Ministry Sunday offering and is grateful for the opportunity. Apprentice Trey Harris is also a seminary student at Duke Divinity School. As a Native American, he realizes how important it is to continue his education for his people as well as the United Methodist Church. Your generous gifts benefit Native American outreach within annual conferences and across the United States. These funds also provide seminary scholarships for Native Americans. Well, as you can see, the, um, usually this is about the time when Jesse tells me what to do. So I'll do it myself this time. I'm just going to kick it over to the next slide if I can get it to go there. The, the main point I want to make here before we go to our offerings of grace and before our Holy Communion, if you see what was in that video, what you saw is us helping people to lead their people out of poverty. That's our goal. If you care to make a check out today or uh, sometime in the week, make it out to South Meriden Trinity United Methodist Church and put in the memo, Native American Ministries Sunday. Thank you. Yeah, you can do it next week. That would be fine. Yeah. Time now for our offerings of grace, and we are so grateful for a loving church. Let us present our tithes and offerings that God's love may grow in this world.
The world is discovering new life in Jesus everywhere. Put aside old expectations and find new life in Jesus that surprises you and everyone. Expect to be surprised by Jesus. And now, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord shine God's face upon us even through all these doggone clouds. And be gracious unto us. And may the Lord lift up God's countenance with compassion and hope and grant us peace now and forever. And may the people who are blessed by God and becoming God's blessings in God day by day say with joy in their hearts, Amen! God bless you all. Have a blessed Sunday. And please join us for fellowship afterwards.